Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. This is Pastor Jeremy. In Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33, the angel speaks to the Virgin Mary. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. We continue studying the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. The first week of this series, we saw the perfect timing of God. Last week, we saw that God used a whole bunch of imperfect people to give birth to the Messiah, therefore redeeming their stories. Today, the text commends to us his kingship. The primary purpose of his genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 is to prove his rightful claim to the throne of Israel. It puts him forward as the true son of David. Now, Matthew chapter 1 lists just names for each person in the line of Jesus, except David. It says Jesse, the father of King David. Now, there are other kings in David's and Jesus' lineology, but the author puts special emphasis on the kingship of David. He does so because David is the essential king of Israel. For the Israelites, he's the example that all other kings should live up to. God made a special promise to David concerning his throne in 2 Samuel 7. He said, Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This prophecy is carried throughout the prophets and anticipated by God's people from generation to generation. The prophet Isaiah declares in chapter 9, verses 6-7, through For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Great will be his authority, and there shall be endless peace on the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The angel tells Mary that God will give her a son, and that he will sit the throne of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. He is identified as the Messiah of Israel, the anointed one to restore God's people and all of creation. King David was the greatest of Israel's kings. He had made a covenant, God had made a covenant with David that his kingdom would last forever, and one of his descendants would sit on that throne forever. Now, David had no idea that the king, that descendant, would be God himself or that that kingdom would be inhabited by people from all over the world, of every nation and language and ethnicity. This prophecy caused a lot of confusion throughout Jesus' ministry. To the very end, many wanted him to rebel against the Roman Empire, to reinstitute an earthly Israelite kingdom, and to be the king in Jerusalem, just like David. But what they missed is that Jesus wasn't supposed to be another King David. Instead, he was supposed to be a greater King David. And not just slightly better, David was a signpost pointing to a much greater king, 
David's kingdom was only a shadow of what Jesus' kingdom will be. Jesus' kingdom will have no end. It will never be overthrown, never conquered, never fade away. There will be no succession, no need of an heir. Jesus will be our king forever, the king of kings over all kings. We have it built into us to need a king. We need something to serve, a cause to fight for. We're always looking for a savior to help. Think about it. It's built into every great story that you will ever read or listen to. In The Lord of the Rings, they're waiting on the king of the north to return. In Robin Hood's story, it's the long-lived King Richard who's gone away to battle. King Arthur will one day return to Camelot. In Star Wars, they're looking for the one who will bring balance to the force. In C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia, Aslan will come and put everything that is wrong to right in the end. In Harry Potter, it's prophesied that one will come who can vanquish Voldemort. We know that we are waiting for a coming king, a savior. If people can't put all the pieces together to understand that it's Jesus, King Jesus, that we're waiting for. If you don't find the real king to save you and lead you, you're going to create a false king. and It's going to destroy your life. People crown drugs and alcohol. They're waiting for a remote romantic partner to sweep them off their feet. They look to politics. If we just had the right king to put into office, or maybe I'm trying to make myself king. If you could just have complete control, if you could just have everyone else leave you alone and let you handle it. We have it built inside of us that we need a king, a savior, a God. We're always looking for one, whether we use those words or not. This informs how we think about sin. Listen to this. The serpent says, you may be like God, deciding for yourself what is right. It is a matter of kingship. Who are you going to bow to? Who are you going to look to for protection and provision? Who are you loyal to? What do you serve? Who is your master? Now, I want to alter the way we think about sin. It's not so much about following the rules. I, I think that's how most of us think about it, like sin is rule-breaking. I'm not saying that's wrong, just I think there's a better way to alter ourselves in the way we view it. Sin is idolatry. It is treason. It is bowing to a false king and choosing a false savior. It's taking God off his rightful throne and putting something else in its place. It is giving my loyalty, myself, to some other master or king. Remember that Jesus, when asked about paying taxes, asked, whose face is on the coin? It's Caesar's, they said. He said, therefore, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Give unto God what is God's. What bears God's image? You do. You are made in the image of God. He is your God and your king. So today I want us to answer uh, two questions. What kind of king will he be, and how should we serve him, follow him as our king? Now, Jesus is the king over all kings. No one has authority over him, and no one will defeat him or usurp him. His rules are not over, his rule is not over a tribe or a nation or a territory. It's boundless. He is the sovereign king over everyone in every place whether they know it or not. Philippians chapter 2 declares, Therefore God exalted him even more highly and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. In the end, when he returns, all of the kingdoms will dissolve, and all the heavens and the earth will be his, as it was intended to be in the beginning. 
Now, I know that we don't have a king. And so the idea is a bit foreign to us as Americans, but we know what a king is and how people are to honor and you, know, you obey him. It is, that is what you do for your king. You bow the knee and you give yourself to him. And that is the choice we make. Will we bow the knee and accept his forgiveness, his mercy, his ways, his love? The alternative is to follow a different king or, or place our own claim on the crown. Remember, Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. You will hate the one and love the other. You cannot have dual allegiances. If he is your king, follow him. Obey him. Read his word and follow him. Pray and ask him what you need to do, where you need to change. Repent when you are outside of his will and set yourself in his direction. Bow to him as king every moment of every day. Now, I think a lot of times we want Jesus to be in the car with us as we drive through life, right? But we don't always want to give him the wheel. But that's not the way it works. Your king drives, and he controls the radio, he makes the navigation, he's in charge of it all. He is the Prince of Peace. He will reign, his reign is not characterized by war and conflict and oppression, as have been all earthly kings. Every earthly king has an agenda of their own, either their own personal desires, or even if it is for the good of their kingdom, that puts them at odds with others. And so he has to use force and power and violence to assert his will and secure prosperity. Jesus secures his kingdom in the opposite way. He loved all people so much that he served them and sacrificed himself and died for them. He reigns over all people, breaking down all the divisions that exist between people. His kingdom is peace and love for one another. With his kingdom, there's no tribe or factions or nations. We are all one with the same agenda, the same allegiance, and he meets all of our needs. So put your hope in him. When you look at every problem and, and pain in your life and, and in this world and you search for solutions to the problems, I'm going to tell you that there's only one answer. There's only one Savior. He sits the throne, the eternal throne of David. He's the Son of God, and his name is Jesus. Only he changes the nature of the heart of a man. Only he heals the selfishness and pride and hate. So don't trust other men. Don't trust in nations and philosophies. Don't, don't put your faith in ingenuities or ideas or our ways. Jesus is the one true King and Savior of all people. Return, Jesus, return quickly. Humble servant. Think about his birth. He, he's not born in a palace with maids and servants. He's born in a stable surrounded by animals and shepherds. He's not born to a wealthy and powerful man and wife. No, he's born to a carpenter and his teenage bride. He doesn't ask men to serve and die for him like every other nation and king. Instead, he serves and dies for his people. It is almost hard for us to imagine that type of a person because we've never met anyone with no agenda, no needs to be met. But that is Jesus. Earlier, we read the second half of Philippians chapter 2. Now I want to put the first half with it, starting in verse 4 of chapter 2. Let us each look not to our own interests, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, assuming human likeness, and being found in appearance as a human. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him 
even more highly and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name given to Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So why is it that Jesus is exalted so that every knee would bow to him? It's the same reason that the book of Revelation at the end of this age gives for why Jesus is the only person worthy to open the scroll of judgment, to right all the wrongs of this world and to reverse every pain. It's because he humbled himself and died on a cross because he loved you and put your needs before him as own. That is the king of kings. To honor your king, humbly serve him, Put your interests to the side because you know that God is taking care of you. He's given you value. You don't have to fight for your place, your value, your needs. Instead, you're free to put your concerns and your efforts fully on other people. The greatest command in the kingdom of humility and service is to love God more than anything and to love others as yourself. Treat people with kindness and patience. Don't attack or shame or give them a piece of your mind when you're slighted or done wrong whether by accident or volition. Overcome evil by doing good. Pray for those who attack you. Be patient with the waiter who gets your order wrong. Encourage those who've said ugly things about you and give grace to the bad drivers on the road. We say, how dare they do that to me or attack the employee who has no control over the company's policies. We're serving a different king. Because servanthood is valued and exalted in the kingdom of God. The world around you may look for the money and the power to say, I'm better than you. It may want to put other people under its feet, but the kingdom of God is radically different. Its king was born in a manger, and instead of kings and princes, the sheep, donkey, and the shepherds were the only visitors. Today, bow the knee to the Son of David. Confess the Son of God as the name above every name, and humbly serve the King of Kings. Thank you so much for listening to Stanford Christian Church today. But once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy. We'd love to see you any Sunday morning at 10.50 a.m. That's what time our worship gathering starts. We do have Sunday school before it at 9.45 a.m. You can go to our website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com. There you can learn about what to expect your first time. You can click on contact to be able to let us know you're listening. Click on give to be able to support our ministry. Once again, that's www.stanfordchristianchurch.com. Have a great week. Love God, love others, and tell somebody about Jesus.